Turn in your Bible to Psalm 37. Psalm 37, we're going to start in verse 23. While you're turning there, I don't know if you heard about the local man who uh, actually got himself addicted to brake fluid. Um, it's okay, he can stop at any time, so don't worry about it. Uh, all right, Psalm 37. First of all, um, I just want to give a public thank you to everyone that was uh, involved in the Christmas play. Uh, that can't happen without every, in, <clears throat> every individual that helped. Really appreciate it. Actors, choir, director, thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Um, God's good and allows us to do that. Um, I'm really excited about tonight. Uh, I was really encouraged by the, the, little, the little boys that were up here. Um, when I was a kid, I didn't have the nerve to do that. I never preached at that age. I remember, uh, I remember David Roof signing up, and I was like absolutely terrified, and I didn't do it. Um, something, something I learned, I, I think I learned it at college, you turn nerves into not being afraid of something, you turn it into wanting to run through a wall, right? So I'm, I'm sitting in the, in the pew, like tapping my foot, you know, just trying to not run, run through the pew in front of me. So I think that's, that, that's really encouraging to, uh, to see the boys do that. And if you're nervous, good. That's, you'll always be nervous, trust me. All right, Psalm 37. Um, when my, when my uh, mom passed away, Osmond, uh, my brother-in-law, gave a good description of what my, my mom was. She said, or he said that she was a good woman. Um, I kind of had been mulling that, and I thought to myself, what does the Bible say about being good. Um, if, ladies, if you'll allow me to use the word man like the Bible does, please don't accuse me of getting your pronouns wrong. You know, you know how that is. Um, so we're going to look at a good man in the Bible. A good man. So Psalm 37.23. Uh, actually, this is the first time. Another reason I like this night is because it gets to challenge you in certain areas. So I decided this year to try to do an alliteration. So bear with me. Some of these words, I had to use a thesaurus. I'm sorry. So, all right. So Psalm 37, verse 23. I should get there. All right, it says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. In this verse, we see two things. We see the salute and we see the savor, the salute and savor. Um, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. <clears throat> if you think about what a step is, it's one of the most simple things we do every single day that we don't even think about, right? Uh, one of the most entertaining things that I got to see uh, when, with Malin growing up so far is her learning to walk. That's really entertaining to watch kids learn how to walk. Because it's, it's a simple thing. We do it every day, right? We take steps. Um, they're everyday happenings. These are just incremental things that happen in your life. Um, so it says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Uh, that's the salute. And what I mean by that is Yes, sir, I'm going to do uh, what you ordered. I'm going to step in that direction. Uh, in order for the steps uh, to be ordered, a few things have to be true. Number one, you have to be tuned in. 
I always give Elliot a hard time because when he prays, he says, uh, uh, what does he say? Now I can't even remember. Um, you you uh, give us ears to hear. That's what he says. So be tuned in, right? Be tuned in to what the Lord has for you. That's, that's number one uh, for your steps to be ordered. Uh, number two, be ready for the next step. You have to be ready and waiting for the next order. Uh, thirdly, you have to be willing to take the next step. And fourthly, actually take the next step. The Christian life is very action-based. If you read through uh, the Faith Hall of Fame in, in Hebrews, you're going to see action verb after action verb after action verb after action verb. A lot of times I think Christians just think that, that Christianity is just the spiritual thing that we you know, go to church on Sunday. And, but no, it, it's so much more than that. It's doing the work of God. It's taking these steps. Uh, go to Proverbs 14. This is number two. This is satisfaction and selflessness. Proverbs 14. Proverbs 14, 14. says, The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways, and a good man shall be satisfied from himself. What are, are the things that you enjoy, are they centered around you or are they centered around others? Uh, the Christian life should be about others. It shouldn't be as, about yourself at all. I, I always marvel that the Bible never, the Bible says, love God, love others. It never tells you to love yourself. That's natural. That's just something we fall into. Uh, the Christian life should not be about yourself. It should be about others. I, I try to ingrain that in our teens. If you're thinking about yourself, guess what? You're not going to come to Tuesday night visitation when you don't feel like it. If you're thinking about yourself, you know, you might skip out on church when you don't feel like it. If you're thinking about yourself, you might not follow the steps that the Lord has for you. This is something I think comes with maturity. I think it does. Because uh, I think about Christmas time and how we always talk about it's more blessed to give than to receive. And you see your children, Malin loves packages. We get something from the Amazon, from Amazon, and we have to pull it out. She goes, oh, ooh. we'll pull it from the, the porch. And she loves packages. It's fun to watch her like that, right? It's fun to give at Christmas time. It's fun to watch uh, your children uh, get gifts and, and things like that. Uh, number three, speech. Let's turn to Luke, uh, Luke 6. I failed to mention uh, a, the term a good man is in the Bible 12 times. So honestly, I don't think that that's very much. Uh, so I think it's something uh, worth paying attention to when it is said. Uh, Luke 6. Luke 6.45. says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man 
uh, uh, out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. What were I was I was thinking about this when I was when I was uh, studying for this this uh, message. Actually, when I was writing this point, I had Malin on my lap, so that was that was difficult. Uh, what were your top five topics of 2019? If I asked your spouse, what was the top five things that your husband or wife liked to talk about? So ask yourself that question. What were the five? What were your top five topics? Were they people? Did you talk about people a lot? Did you talk about events? Did you talk about ideas? I, um, I read this quote a lot. I've probably done it preaching here probably a couple times. Um, great minds discuss ideas. Average minds discuss events. And small minds discuss people. Um, I was looking for the origination. I thought it was, um, I thought it was Roosevelt, uh, his wife. Uh, but apparently it's not. And, and I, have a, I have a couple quotes here uh, or, or where, where it was probably originated. Uh, it says, The earliest match appeared in 1901 uh, in an autobiography by Charles Stewart. I'm not 100% sure who that is. As a child in London, Stewart listened to the conversation of dinner guests such as history scholar Henry, Henry Thomas Buckle, who would sometimes discourse uh, engagingly for 20 minutes on a topic. Uh, this is a quote now from, from the autobiography. It says, His thoughts and conversations were always on a high level, and I recollect a saying of his which not only greatly impressed me at the time, but which I have never since cherished as a test of the mental caliber of friends and acquaintances. Buckle says, Men and women range themselves into three classes, or orders of intelligence. You can tell the lowest class by their habit of always talking about persons, the next by the fact that their habit is always to converse about things, the highest by their preference for the discussion of ideas. And obviously, the, the, the top thing that we can discuss as Christians is God, the Bible. Um, that's not included in here. Uh, the saying printed in 1901 was rooted in a long tradition of advice about the proper topics of conversation. For example, in 1827, uh, a book of, of letters on clerical manners and habits addressed to theological students suggested avoiding the discussion of people. Uh, it says, let me recommend that in company, even with your most intimate friends, that you avoid discussion of personal character and conduct as much as possible, and that you prefer dwelling on those principles, doctrines, and facts, which are always and to all classes in society, interesting and instructive, and the discussion of which, uh, moreover, is always uh, safe. The last quote I'll read. The great temptation both to ministers and people is to talk about persons, why, said Dr. Rush to someone, are you always talking about persons? Why do you not talk about things? The answer is plain. It is so much easier to talk about persons than things. It is so much more gratifying to our evil natures to talk about persons, especially their faults. Anyone can talk about persons. Um, I think one of the reasons, uh, like, like Dan was saying, our society has made life so simple that we don't have to think anymore. And it, it simplified our minds to the point where talking about people is the easiest thing for us to do. So are you, what, what, are, your, what are your five topics, your top five topics of 2019? So that's speech. We've seen salute and savor, satisfaction and selflessness, and then we've seen speech. Uh, let's go to Proverbs 13. Proverbs 13. I call this one subsidy. 
13.22 says, A good man leaveth an inheritance to his children's children, and the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Um, obviously, I think we, we tend to talk about financial wealth when we talk about this verse. Uh, some other things I wrote down that can also be inheritances, a good name. Proverbs 22.1 says, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches and loving favor, rather than silver and gold. Uh, number two that I wrote down, a teachable spirit. That's something that I think can be inherited from, from your parents. Uh, being teachable is very, very important uh, in the Christian life. And then obviously uh, financial wealth. Uh, per, personal finance is talked about over 800 times in the Bible, which is the second most discussed topic in God's Word. I didn't verify this, but um, I have good reason to believe that is true. Uh, just a quick commercial. If you are able to, please try to make it to the financial class uh, on January 25th, I believe it is. I believe one of the best things that my wife and did, my wife and I did when we first uh, were married probably wasn't, wasn't right away, uh, but we decided to attack our finances in a certain way. Um, I think that really helped, uh, helped our marriage. Uh, as Pastor said, God's Word, uh, as, as he talked about, um, God's, wor God's Word talks a lot about finances. Um, just something, something that I wrote down while I was thinking about this. I don't know if you remember a um, Brother Ingalls mentioned, um, ha mentioned during um, the missions conference. He mentioned how it's $100 a month for, uh, for one missionary at our church. He, talk, he talked about that. And talked about gauging what you give to missions. He, he, he talked about gauging what you give to missions, not by the amount, but how many missionaries you're supporting. Think about this. The average car payment in America today equals five Freedom Baptist missionaries a month. Just something to think about. Uh, that's, that's crazy. The, the, the average car payment in America today is $500. So... I say that as a commercial again. Please come on January 25th. Uh, I'm really excited about that. And uh, financial wealth is, is another thing that uh, can, be, can be an inheritance that's, uh, that's left. Um, finally, I'm going to read this one quick. So this is, this is the word that I found for careful or particular. It's solicitousness. Here we go. Psalm 112.5. As you can guess, that, that's the one I had to use the thesaurus for. I could not come up with a word. I should have just called Pastor Jared. He's good with that stuff. All right, Psalm 112.5 says, A good man showeth favor and lendeth, and he will guide his affairs with discretion. You know what? A good man loves people. He loves others. Uh, and a good man is going to watch his affairs, guide his affairs with discretion. He's going to have discretion uh, with, with his, his doings. And I think that kind of goes with, with my first point, uh, with the steps uh, being ordered by the Lord. Uh, again, the, a good man, salute and savor, satisfaction and selflessness, speech, subsidy, and solicitousness. Thank you.
turn your Bibles to James chapter 1, verse 17. The title of my message tonight is The Greatest Gift Ever Received. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, that cometh down from the Father of lights, whom with is no variableness, neither shadowing, shadow of turning. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Please watch over us and please give me the, um, please help me to say the right words. In Jesus' name, amen. This message is not, it's very short, but this is the message that God wanted me to preach. Tonight we are going to look at three parts of the gift. The first part is the greatest gift is the Lord Jesus Christ. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above that cometh down from the Father of lights. The second part is the greatest gift is from above. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And the third point is the greatest gift is available. James 1.17 says, I mean, yes, uh, says, and cometh down from the Father of lights. How you receive the gift is you have to pay them a dollar. That may be how some people think the, any gift from God is received by working for it, but Matthew 7, 7 tells us we must ask for the gift. I'm going to end with this verse. Go to Matthew 7, 7. Matthew 7, 7. Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. All you have to do is ask for the gift and it will be given unto you. How about now? All right. I told Jerry it shouldn't be too difficult, but apparently it was too difficult. <laughs> Turn your Bibles to Romans 15. Romans 15. Romans 15, verse 1. We that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you that you may be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus, that ye may, be, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's funny, I've got two titles for the message tonight. One of them is, It's Not About You, 
and don't please yourself, as Aaron said. But the first one, the first part is, you know, verse 1 says, We that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. You know, every one of us is weak from time to time. You know, sometimes we think we're strong, but every one of us is weak from time to time. Galatians 6.2 says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. But you know something? You can't bear somebody else's burden if you don't know somebody else's burden. And sometimes I think I know my fault sometimes is that I don't know what other people's burdens are because I don't know them well enough. Did you ever notice that some people on this side of the church never go to that side of the church? And some people on this side of the church never go to that side of the church? And uh, I don't have anybody in particular, but, I, but I, I notice things sometimes that some people never go over to other people that they don't know that well and talk to them. Some of you younger people never talk to old people like us, okay? <laughs> and, uh, some of the young, and some of the old people don't talk to the young people. We stick to our own peer group. And it's hard for us to know, to bear one another's burdens if we don't know one another's burdens. And, um, you know, one thing that, that my wife having cancer taught me was that, you know, a little bit of what other people go through and understanding what other people go through and even understanding what, you know, the other person in the relationship or part of the family goes through. And we don't understand that sometimes. And it would help us if we did know that because we know how to pray for people better. But, you know, bear ye one another's burdens. We that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of those that are weak. There's people in this church tonight that could be very weak. that could have a lot of things going on. A lot of health problems or, or anything, financial problems, anything going on. And uh, that doesn't mean we have to know every detail of person's lives. But you know, sometimes it helps to know that somebody's praying for you. Sometimes it helps to encourage people. You know, uh, our family, we text a lot. We text a lot and we say we're praying for each other. We do that a lot. You know, when my wife went in for surgery, I got all these texts from my children. Dad, we're praying for you. We're, gonna, we're there for you. We're, we're thinking about you. We're thinking about mom. We're praying for mom. Um, it's good to do those kind of things. And verse 2 says, Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good. And I never even looked at the time. Let every, <laughs> let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. The word edification means to build up. To build up. That's how we get the word edifice. But it also has another meaning, which we'll get to in a minute. But in Ephesians 14, uh, uh, Romans 14, 19, right before this, it says, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and things which should, would edify one another. In Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29, that's a verse that I know we're all familiar with. But Ephesians 4.29, it says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. In other words, if we're not edifying, if we're not building somebody up, then God says it's corrupt communication. It's corrupt communication. And, and you go on in that passage, you go on in that passage, it, it talks about, it talks about um, 
Grieve not the Holy Spirit, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind. So it's corrupt communication if we're not building somebody up. You know, we need to get in the habit. Sometimes we can get in the habit of having a critical spirit. We can get in the habit of, instead of building somebody up, immediately tearing them down. You know, parents, we can get in that attitude. And I know when I was raising my children, I tried to not always be negative. Yes, we should correct our children. But, you know, the first thing out of our mouth shouldn't always be, listen, you're doing this wrong, listen, you're doing that wrong, listen, you're doing something else wrong. We should, we should encourage them, build them up, build them up, encourage the right, encourage the right. You know, the second definition of, of edification is to instruct and improve, particularly in moral and religious knowledge, in faith, and in holiness. And that's part of it. But part of it is encouraging, encouraging. Um, I always tried to, to say something that my children were doing right before I had to drop the hammer. <laughs> uh, and you know what? We as church members, we as church members should be in the habit of building up our young people, building up these little kids. You know, these guys did such a good job tonight. They really did. Uh, we should be in the habit of building them up. We should be in the habit. You know, we've got some good kids around here. We really do. Uh, all the way through, kids, teenagers, you know, we should be building them up. You know, it's a tough world out there. And, you know, I fear for my grandchildren. You know, I was talking to my wife today about fearing for my grandchildren entering the workforce. Because I know what the workforce is like. You folks know what the workforce is like. I've heard things in the workforce that I certainly didn't hear in Sunday school. And we need to be praying for them and encouraging them. Because you know what? If we don't encourage good behavior, you know what the kid's going to say? What's the use? The world is going to encourage them. The world is going to encourage them to do what they want them to do. But we need to encourage them and build them up. You know... You look at Paul's epistles, you look at Paul's epistles, he always started out positive. Go to 1 Corinthians, 5, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 is a quick example. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 1 says, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes our brother, under the church of God which is at Corinth, to them which are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, all that are in every place, call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be unto you in peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything you are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge. See how positive he starts out? You know what, if it had been me writing 1 Corinthians, you know what I might have done? I'd have hammered the fornication in chapter 5, right in the beginning. Not Paul. He waited till chapter 5 to talk about the sin they were in. Uh, he led up to it, and then he dropped the hammer. And they needed the hammer dropped. But he started out positive. He started out positive. He edified them. And then he, then he mentioned what was going on. And we need to remember to do that. We need to get in the habit of building each other up. Because, like I said, we all need to be built up. We all need to be built up, and we all need to be encouraged. And, you know, it's getting worse and worse in the world, and things are happening, and we all know that. 
But you know what? One place we ought to get encouraged is church. If you can't get encouraged any other place, it ought to be here. And uh, we need to practice that better, every one of us, including me. Get to know people, talk to people, and see where their hurts are. Understand them. Just let them know. You, they don't, you don't even have to get details from people. Just say, you know, I'm praying for you. I can remember times when I walked up to men in this church and said, hey, listen, you need to pray for me. I'm tired. I'm, I got a bad attitude. You need, to, <laughs> you need to really help me out here. And we need to not be afraid to do that. Because that's what we're for. That's what we're for. Christians are supposed to be different. And, you know, sometimes we need to just act like it. You know, act like it. And, um, and do it. And we need to and go back into my passage real quick in um, Romans 15. We need to follow the example of Jesus Christ. It says, for Christ... And I'll get there real quick. Romans 15... Verse 3, for Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. Christ didn't please himself either. You know, it cost him a lot to minister to us. You know, I don't think we're really going to understand what Christ gave up until we get to heaven. We get to heaven and we see how good it is and, and the, everybody around the throne saying, holy, holy, holy is Lord God Almighty. You know what we're going to say? We're going to look at Jesus and you're going to say, well, you left this for me? Because he did. He left that for me. He didn't have to, but he chose to. And um, so Christ gave up a lot for us. We need, to, we need to give up for other people. You know, sometimes we think it's such a burden to uh, minister to people. You know, years ago, years ago, my family and I used to go to the nursing home every Sunday. Every Sunday, because there was nobody else to do it at the time and those kind of things, and we, we started the nursing home ministry. So every Sunday, I used to work five and a half days a week, go to the nursing home on, I mean, no, yeah, five and a half days a week, go to the nursing home on Sunday, and I didn't have a Sunday afternoon for years. And I never complained about it. I never thought it was a big deal. Now, I go once a month, and sometimes I say, oh, it's my turn again. So, so see what can happen to us? Ministry can become a burden, but you know what? It wasn't a burden for Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins. That wasn't a burden. That wasn't a burden. Uh, it's not a burden when you're doing it for the right reason. And back to our passage, it's verse 4 says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. You know, uh, it's been mentioned several times. It's mentioned to this church all the time, but I think sometimes we need to pay attention to it. If we stay in our Bibles, we're going to have hope. And we're going to have patience. We're going to learn patience from the Bible. Just by reading about the different people in the Bible. You know, the, uh, was it Jesus that said, have you not heard of the patience of Job? Or maybe Peter said that, I don't know. But anyway, somebody did. Uh, but we learn that from the Bible. But if we don't stay in our Bibles, we're not going to learn that. We're not going to learn things that will help us and things so we won't give up. Verse 5 says, Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one to one another um, in Jesus Christ. That's Paul's prayer. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus. Paul's prayer that God would give them patience 
and consolation. You know what consolation is? I looked this up. It says, consolation is alleviation of misery or distress of mind and spirit, a comparative degree of happiness in distress or misfortune, springing from any circumstance that abates the evil or supports and strengthens the mind as hope, joy, and courage. So Paul prayed for them that in spite of their circumstances, they'd have hope, joy, and courage. You know, we should pray for each other that in spite of anybody's circumstances, they have hope, joy, and courage. Because that's what we can do for each other. We can not only bear one another's burdens, but you know what we can pray? We can say, you know, that person has health problem after health problem after health problem. God, help them not to give up. God, help them to have a good attitude. That person had, you know, maybe car wreck after car wreck after car wreck, which happens. God, help them not to give up. Help them to have a good attitude. Help them to have hope, joy, and peace in spite of all that. That's part of edification. That's part of what we should be doing for each other as a church. And then it ends, and I'm done, but it ends in in verse 6. It says that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what that is? That's unity. One mouth. One mind and one mouth. That's what our community needs to see. Our community needs to see, our coworkers need to see one mouth and one mind glorifying Jesus Christ. And I'm done.